When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Bunker looking to get close side of Bunk. The away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Elm Park Royals post-match podcast uh, in association with Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, we're going to be talking through yesterday's game at Coventry. I'm joined by Alex. How are you doing, Alex? Uh, not good, Matt. No, I'm, no. I'm a Reading fan and we lost yesterday. Yeah. So not good still. Well, maybe you have other things in your life. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Not, not currently, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got uh, a podcast debut for Callum, Caldini for How you doing, Callum? Again, I'm ecstatic to be here. Can't wait for my debut. Um, yeah. I'm still quite sad about yesterday. For people who don't know you, that's just your normal tone of voice, to be fair. Like, that, that gives away absolutely nothing about your, your mental well-being. Well, it was just... It, I thought we'd, we'd nabbed a point. I thought we'd gotten away with there with some kind of something and now we're down whenever you're on because we would have won four points from four games and that's all right but now we're on three from four and it feels a little bit relegation time wow that is i mean that's such a good way to start um straight in there yeah raise the sunshine (laughs) alex there's obviously been quite a lot of talk on social media Mm -hmm. after that um i think epr the, the god that is the EPR Twitter did put out a tweet saying he's only, uh, Pauno's only picked up three wins in 15. Um, how do you feel after yesterday? Not necessarily just about Paunovic, but like, what's your overarching emotion? Overarching is probably just fed up. I'm f- like, it's just fed up a bit. Like, um, it feels very, it feels all a bit predictable, if I'm honest. Um, you can't, as Matt Joy said yesterday on, on Twitter, that he said, once it got to the 60th minute of that game, you could see it coming. You, you could see what was going to happen. Reading really kind of lost control of the game. Uh, Jamie Allen equalises with half an hour to go. And Reading basically just went back into their shells. So, yeah, overall frustrated and, and kind of fed up of fairly um i guess indifferent performances uh callum we actually went to the game we weren't armchair fans like alex um but i mean it was frustrating on the way home i I, maybe it's because we we're not looking at twitter the whole time during the game but i didn't get the same kind of you know just negative vibes from the crowd while we were there 
Yeah, because it was it was right, and you kind of you, you expect that away games, especially with how Reading are this season. You expect to kind of soak up a lot of pressure. It just it did feel very inevitable. I mean, and the way that that win went in was just like I, I felt the players knew it too. It was the, the panic from from a goal kick in the 98th minute, whatever. They just I mean, Hoylet slips and then loads of missed challenges. The positioning was everywhere. You said Year Don was was off halfway to Birmingham. So I, yeah, it was. Um, it, yeah, like, like Alex said, it just felt inevitable um, because it's all right soaking up pressure in away games, but there seemed no. It wasn't the plan because I mean, we we didn't we didn't attack. We didn't keep a threat going through it. We had about four shots in the game, so I don't, it just felt we got overwhelmed really. I think yeah. that kind of that kind of sums it up nicely. Uh, well, maybe not sums it up, but it, it definitely adds it to nicely. It doesn't feel like there's much of a plan, um, particularly, especially when things go against us. It doesn't feel like there's much of a plan to try and change things up or, or somehow change the game or, or adapt to the situation, um, which is that's that's probably the most kind of like frustrating thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll try not to sum up a podcast within three minutes because otherwise, what are we going to do for the next half an hour? But um, we'll, we'll start with the team sheet because um, obviously there was a little bit of a change there. Like Tom Deli Bashiru came in, um, Bristow dropped out entirely. I think that was what was expected. Uh, Persgas played up front. Alex, were you happy with that? Like, was there anything yeah. different that you would have done? No, I don't really think you could have done much else. I mean, Junior Hoylet was on on the bench yesterday, but I'm not necessarily sure what you could have done. He would have started in place with Delhi Bashiro, I guess, um, is, is really your only other option. And I, I don't really think there's much justification to bring Junior Hoylet in to start uh, yesterday ahead of ahead of Delhi Bashiro, particularly. Um, I don't think he would have particularly changed changed the game. Um, really, your only option there was to start push guess up front. I know there was talk on social media and and online around having Jamari Clark play up front uh, yesterday. But let's be honest, he's 17 and he's played 10 minutes of senior football. I'm not sure putting him up front on his own is necessarily going to be a recipe for for a successful baby for him. Yeah, and Callum, like uh, Pushkas played. Like, as I said on Tuesday, like, I thought he played okay. Like, he wasn't a world beater, but he he did what he needed to. Yeah, definitely. And I don't, I find it hard to focus on the individual negatives because, I mean, like I said, the team sheet wasn't bad. It was probably what I would have put out. But then it just seems there's so many players that aren't, they're not, they had that bad of a game, but just together, they weren't, they didn't turn kind of average performances into, you know, Again, four shots on goal. It just there was no kind of collective plan to do anything. I mean, really. it, it, uh, you say there weren't bad individual performances, but as a team, our passing was incredibly sloppy in that yeah. first half. I thought. Yeah, but then I, I then I just put that down to more of a maybe a, it's more of a coaching thing, isn't it? Because if there's so many players that don't play well together, then it's not like I always say. There's there's no plan to go up front. I mean, last season. We were really good at attacking, but was that just because he could let Elise and Mate and Zhao and Ajaria improvise in those good areas and they could just do whatever? It wasn't like we scored. You know when you see really well-coached attacking teams like Man City, wherever they score the same goals over and over, whereas our goals were kind of just 
I mean, there was a few where it was back post to Mayte or something, but it's not more improvisation on the final third players. And when you've got less quality this year, I feel like it's showing a lot more. I think, um, yes, I think there's a quote from Liam Moore just after Panovic came in where he said, like, oh, at the minute we're focusing on the defence. And you could tell last season the defence was fairly well coached. And and there was an expectation that okay he'd he'd work forward and we'd develop patterns of play and Alex I I mean I agree with Cal like that's just never really happened. No, we 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 haven't really improved necessarily going forward since Panovic has come in. Um, and yeah, the I guess the um, the expectation when you get a new manager is always. Uh, start from the back and work your way forwards if, because if you're solid at the back then that's that's kind of the best starting position for you um but we've never developed a particular style of play yes we all know that we like to play one up front um and then play three attacking midfielders in behind but that doesn't necessarily it, it doesn't define a style for us and um as you say our passing is hey matt uh going back to going back to that our passing is a particular in the first half is so wayward. Um, five yard passes, 10 yard passes going out for play, missing players. Um, I mean, there's a great example. Josh Lawrence made a 60 yard run at one point, 50 yard run in the first half and tried to play a five, maybe five, 10 yard pass through to Aziz. And it was intercepted and it wasn't a particularly impressive interception. It was basically straight at the, um, the country left back. It, yeah, there was just so many misplaced passes and it just looked very, I guess it almost looked tired despite the fact we're only four games into the season. Um, yeah, the, the, the passing just looked bad. In all yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like that's the first time, even this season that we've seen passing, which has been particularly poor. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a confidence thing as well because in those good teams, people know where everyone's going to be. You know that maybe uh, if you've got if you've got Aziz right wing, that he'll be there wide, and you can always find him as an outlet. But then you, a lot of these players, you don't know where they're going to be. You don't know oh, is is McIntyre, or he'll be quite deep. So you don't. It's not like we've got a consistent left back outlet like we did last year, or Tom Deli Basharu. I mean, he's playing left wing, but he's a centre mid. He's going to come inside more. So you don't know where these players are going to be. So they've got no, and I think that's where the composure would come from is you have the confidence to know, all right, this is where we can pass. This is how we get out of the pressure. And then this is how we attack as a team. But they just, they always have to to get the ball, look up and then find where everyone is at that time and then work from there. Because I know we say, and Reading were good at defending last year and they're less good this year because it's, it's a team sport. You have to defend as a team and attack as a team. And because we keep giving the ball away, I mean, I thought, you know, Michael Morrison had a great game yesterday, but we still conceded two because the same with Raphael had a decent game, but we conceded so much of the ball and just so much, so many shots. It was like 25 shots in the end that something's going to go in. It was just overwhelming pressure because we never, we never kept the ball. We never put them under threat. They weren't worrying about counterattacks. So it just, we just got overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, speaking of counterattacks, I think one of the, more interesting things that I saw yesterday or didn't see yesterday was us playing that ball over the top for Aziz. And obviously he's been playing both in a 5-3-2 and this 4-2-3-1. Um, and in the 5-3-2, he starts higher. He's given more license to run. Um, are you surprised, Alex, that that we seem to have just 
shelved that idea of playing over the top for Aziz like in in this formation it seems odd to me it seems like we've shelved the idea of playing over the top to anybody all of a sudden um which is strange because the first game of the season we must have played the 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 ball from the left and right back positions um kind of as a long ball seven eight times against stoke and all of a sudden that idea is basically just vanished into thin air which is really strange because like you've got players who will run in behind but john swift runs in behind the defenders and he'll take the ball into the into the channels aziz will run in behind defenders and yet it's just kind of it's disappeared that 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 um that idea which is it's frustrating because you've got as i say you've got players who, who are willing to to make those runs um but it feels potentially it feels like that has disappeared because of the fact that we've got uh, we're missing Zhao up front as well, I think, um, and that we're trying to we're trying at least to to play into push gas a bit more. Yeah, I thought yesterday there was a definite uh, conscious decision by Puskas to attempt to come to feet, and I don't know whether he did it at the right times, but he he definitely wasn't trying those runs in behind quite as much, Callum. Yeah, um, but I can't really blame him. I mean, Bristol City, constantly, he was making those moves. But I think it was something that you picked up, Matt, or someone else. But we don't have, like Elise last year, when Puskas runs it behind, then that, that creates space in that hole. And that's what Elise was doing last year. He'd he'd move into there, not what he could do this year. But Swift's a bit different because obviously he drops deeper because, and partly because of the need of the team because he controls a lot of the game. He racks up, I imagine, the most passes of anyone, or at least in that midfield area. So he has to drop deeper. So no one's kind of in behind Puskas to play the balls into him. So I kind of get why he does it. And there were a few occasions as well where we'd play it long and he'd have two defenders and he'd do it right. You know, he wouldn't let them have a clean contact. He'd maybe win the ball, but there just wasn't the support next to him because you haven't got... I mean, Aziz, Aziz was all right yesterday, but didn't do much. I don't think... Uh, Deli Vasharu's one to run in behind him and Swift isn't really or isn't his role at the moment so I can't I can't blame him he he was moving more defeat and I thought he was all right but again he's he's not gonna have that Zhao game where he picks at the ball and strikes him 25 yards he's just a different kind of striker and I don't think we've ever really adapted to actually playing with that kind of striker yeah I mean Based off yesterday, he's not going to have a strike, no matter how close the goal he is. But that, that's another question. We'll we'll go into that maybe some other time because let's actually talk about what happened during the match and the one positive point, which was winning that penalty. Puskas does actually, you know, he is involved. He uh, tries slipping through John Swift. Uh, Alex, was the pass good? And was it a penalty? First time I saw the pass, I thought it was actually quite a good idea. Decent, decent pass through from Push Gas. Watching back on the replay, I'm a little bit less sure it was a good pass, and perhaps it was a bit overhit. Not really necessarily, uh, not necessarily something that Don Swift was expecting. Uh, definitely a penalty. Um, Darwin pretty much wipes Swift out. You know, from from his blind side, he's got no chance of being able to, no chance of being able to stay on his feet. Really, I think, and. Um, yeah, I think it was a clear, clear penalty. It was a decent piece of play by by Pushkas to to, to pick Swift out all the same, um, and it was a well taken penalty by John Swift. And I think what was the goal? What was the minute? It was the goal? It was a 40, 41, something like that. And um, 
you know, scoring just before half time, it, it really could have been a game changer in terms of how we were playing up to that point. It felt like we were, you know, it felt like we were very, very fortunate to be going one nil up at half time. Uh, so being able to kind of build on that over the, over half time would have been would have been a fantastic time to to have taken the lead and, and go ahead and try and build on that in the second half. And unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Cam, were you surprised to see John Swift step up rather than maybe Perskas get get him a goal? Yeah, I was terrified. Um, I remember that stand season where I think Swift maybe took two and they were such bad penalties that the keeper couldn't push it far enough wide. I think we scored both rebounds. It was during that weird season where we scored five rebounds or something. Um, so I don't know why Swift took it, but he scored. So, I mean, we move. I'm fine with that. Um but then again, from after that, we could have, second half, we could have pushed on. Because I think we scored the second goal, that's, that's game over. And that always annoys me that I think we, near the end of last season, we did as well. We, we kept giving away leads because we'd, we'd drop deep and we'd bring on more defensive players and take off, you know, at least for, for a Semedo or someone like that. And, or even just not personnel, we would just drop deeper and try and protect the lead. When if you score the second, that, that's game. And, it's, and that's, that's it. Whereas if you defend, you're always under pressure of just something going in or just a bounce not going your way. And um, I think that's what cost us yesterday, that we just didn't have the confidence to go for it. Would, Matt, would you have liked to have seen George Pushkas take it? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm, I think I'm with Callum. Like, as long as he scores, whoever takes it is fine. Um, I think I think in, in one ways, obviously, if he, if he gets it and he scores, that's great. But if he gets it and he misses, that's a whole lot more pressure that automatically comes onto his shoulders. So, you know, it's a it's, it's a tough one to say. It's all based on hindsight, really, isn't it? Um, Callum, what you were saying about uh, Panovic dropping deep or the team dropping deep, like, is something that Chicago Fire fans also were talking about. And it is interesting. I saw Jordan talk about on um, Twitter that, it's very hard to rate Paunovic because of the, you know, the injuries he's had, the the situation behind the behind closed doors at the club. Um, Alex, did he get the decisions yesterday right? The decisions yesterday, I mean, yes, I, I guess so, but it's I don't necessarily pin that much of the blame. On yesterday, on Hanovic particularly, um, I think we were. It, I really hesitate to say this because it's, it sounds very cliche, but it feels like we were very much out for yesterday in the on the field, and um, I don't necessarily blame Paunovic for that. Um, I think there's there's got to be some kind of, you know, blame on on the players uh, there as well. You know, if, if there's not. You know, pass, passing's going wayward, and and you know we're losing the ball every every couple of minutes. Then I don't necessarily blame that one on Panovic. Um, stylistically, yesterday, did we make the right choices? Probably, but it's very difficult to tell because we don't really have the personnel available to us to do anything else. So I don't really know whether he's making the right decisions or not. I'm kind of, I, I can definitely understand where Jordan's coming from. It's very difficult to tell whether Panovic is doing a good or a bad job because we don't actually know if the players are any good, if that makes sense. But would you not say that kind of, that confidence needs to come from the manager? I'm, more because it felt very similar to Stoke, that game yesterday, 
where we did all right. We were quite close. We we scored we scored a goal or two. We we had a lot of promising moments, but then again we conceded again twenty plus shots, and a late winner that again felt kind of inevitable. It, it felt very much like this is. It's yeah, not I saying that yesterday was Paolo's fault, but it just feels like it it wasn't not his fault. I agree. no, I agree with you to the extent where it's there's a case to be made that when we drop deep and we concede that many shots, then there's definitely we need a we need some kind of a we need some kind of adaptation in in the game to be able to push push higher up the field, um, which I don't think we're necessarily seeing still. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely portions of it which you can you can pin on Panovic as it were, and um, and portions of it which which fall with, with the players. I, I don't think it's necessarily just one or the other. Apparently, it's, it's definitely um, definitely kind of a mix of both. And and I guess that's sort of what Jordan means that it's hard to you know judge him because how would you push Reading up the field at the minute given the options that he's got on the bench? And okay, and yeah, there are there are tactical changes he could make, but um, that backfired midweek. He tried the five at the back midweek and had to change it after 15 minutes. So they don't always come off. And, and as we've said, if, if George Priscus isn't a hold-up player amongst the fan base, it's very well kind of, it's very well accepted George Priscus isn't going to be one to hold the ball up particularly. Well, if you're penned in at the back, how do you get the ball out then if you haven't got someone who's able to... Well, but then the then ball. surely you try playing through the midfield rather than moving out uh, George Puskas all the time. I think they did, but they they're part if their passing is then poor, you're you're just again giving the ball back yeah. higher up the field again. Um, yeah. It's it, we do. It feels like we're going through various different, you know, various different kind of not scenarios but um, ideas and. If each of them keep failing, but inevitably we're going to end up with a situation that, that Callum's, Callum's discussed, and we're just going to end up conceding a lot of shots. Yeah, I think we just don't have. There's no kind of good combinations uh, at the top of the pitch. It's all kind of. I only ever really get excited in the final third when it's when Swift's got the ball with a bit of space in there in the last 25 yards or something because there's no kind of like you wouldn't say what Puskas and Ziz have got chemistry or you know or Deli Basharu you know he's coming in straight away he's playing well with disease or something there's no there's none of those on-field combinations that actually lead to good attacks because everything's quite slow and it's quite you know if Puskas holds the ball up and plays out wide we kind of it's it, it's it's a bit of a celebration there's no um yeah there, there's not that chemistry on the pitch I don't think that I think we need to work on on the training ground yeah well let, let's move on um to the defending side of things, um, which doesn't really get much better. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, Coventry made two changes in the 61st minute and scored in the 62nd. Now, is this also down to the fact that Tom McIntyre gets injured just two minutes before and the cross does come in from that side? Um, I think it's Delhi Bashiri's problem, so it probably isn't due to that, but... It's a discussion to be had. Alex, how did you see it? Um, yeah, I agree. Dele Bashiro, who's not close enough to, to his man on the on the far side, on well, not the far side, but on on the touchline, um, he's he's been caught quite you know quite narrow. Uh, so when the early cross comes in, he's he's nowhere near it. He's not not got a chance to to get anywhere close to the block. Um, the actual organisation of the defence, not great. 
I think there's seven Reading players in the box trying to defend there and they're basically all crowded around the penalty spot. Um, so as soon as the ball gets knocked back down to the edge of the area, there is absolutely nobody even close to being able to, to uh, attempt to, to challenge for the ball. So that wasn't good. Um, and then the shot comes in from Jamie Allen, who puts a decent enough shot in. It's not a bad shot by any means. And it kind of goes through Raphael's hands, if I'm honest. I don't think it's a particularly good effort in terms of saving it. He, he seems to have, it seems to be one of those kind of like pancake wrists situations where it's just kind of gone straight through him. Um, not very impressed with that one either. So overall, just not very good from a lot of different uh, aspects for the goal. Yeah, realizing. I mean, I watching it back now as we're talking, like uh, Josh Laurent just completely loses his man, um, mm -hmm. Alan, who drifts off and, and gets that strike in. Thought Morrison did okay for the initial header. And as you say, Raphael, if you get two hands to it, you've really got to be tipping it around the post. Um, Callum, where does the blame lie in your eyes? I, I kind of just felt it was going to happen at some point because they, I mean, the amount of crosses that they had a, their setup, but they had they had Harmer and O'Hare kind of just feeling the ball out wide consistently to so their, their wing backs, who were, I thought were their best players. And the amount of crosses they got, I th again, I thought Morrison had a great game and he won the first the first uh, contact. But just the amount of times they were getting the balls in, it was going to break to them one of these times. And it wasn't great for Raphael, but I just felt it was just kind of a, it was just more of a result of the match rather than any kind of individual. I know Raphael was pretty bad for it, but then he had a few good saves. So I, again, I don't know quite who to blame because I know we've got we've got problems and it's a Pano thing. And it's not necessarily a Pano thing, but it was just kind of how the match went. One of the things I am interested by between these two goals is, okay, we sit back a lot. Um, what Coventry did that it felt like Preston didn't do is take out players. Like they picked up quite a lot of yellow cards um, by just disrupting counterattacks. Are we expecting to see that for the rest of the season against Reading, really, Alex? If we're going to play in similar sort of style, I think so. I think teams will teams will very happily press high against us and try and win the ball back very, very quickly. And then if we do manage to break past a a, a press up in our you know in our defensive third, I think we'll get we'll win a lot of free kicks but we'll win a lot of free kicks just inside the opposition half because teams know that if we, you know, if we, if we can't counter-attack, we're really going to struggle to create. Um, it's going to become very, it's going to become more and more obvious, I think, the more games we play um, and more teams will pick up on it. And unless we adapt, it's, it's going it, to, I don't see how that's really going to change. We're just going to end up having teams pick up a lot of, uh, a lot of cow a lot of cards and a lot of fouls against us. Yeah, I mean, that in many ways is similar to last season. I think I said a lot of times, if if you take away transition and don't give us free kicks, then it's very unlikely that we're going to score. But let's not go round and roundabouts. Round and roundabouts? Let's not go round in circles. Uh, let's uh, come on to the 97th, 98th. I saw 96th at one point minute. Um, I mean, 90, we've already... 97, oh, 12, I think it was. Okay, well, yeah. Well over, the six, well over the six minutes of injury time, which was put up on the board. That was partly because Paunovic was already arguing, right? Like, he was the one wasting his own time. And, 
that is what uh, my my under 12 or 13 like coach always said don't waste time because it will come back to bite you and it does feel like that happened here i mean as you say um it's kind of a calamity of errors um hoyler slips yeardom goes so deep and more doesn't realize so more's trying to play offside it's just never going to be um rafael doesn't stand a chance with this one uh callum it, I know what you're about to say. You're going to say it's coming and it was te- like you saw it from about, well, from when they equalised. But it, again, it's just, it's not good, is it? No, I thought we'd actually survived because I thought we had that Holmes header just beforehand and I thought, then they had the goal kick and I was like, that's about six minutes. This is perfect time for the rest of the whistle. You know, get out of here, just celebrate the point and move on. But I, I don't know how really. It's just, the, the, I, the players on the pitch panicked. I mean, Holmes did what McIntyre did in the week and he went far too inside and he committed and he wasn't there because Hoyle had come so inside. He wasn't there for the wing back who, I don't know who scored, was it Godden who scored in the end, but um, there was no one on him. And it was just, I mean, it was the one time Morrison missed the tackle, but I can't really slam him too much because he, he genuinely had a really good game. I, I, I felt like it was deserved for both teams really. He actually makes the tackle and it bounces back to the guy, which is even more infuriating, Alex. Yeah, it does look like he's won the tackle um, and it's just fallen back to a Coventry player. And as you both said, it's just a calamity of errors from so many different people. The fact that it's come from a Coventry goal kick in the 96th minute is a shambles. And, you know, as Callum said, Hoylet slips. Yeardum's so deep, he's halfway back to Berkshire by that point. Um, Moore has no idea why, where Yeardum is, so he's claiming offside. Uh, it just that, that goal pretty much sums up the lack of organisation at the back, I think, so far this season. It, it just, there's no, there's no real kind of, it just doesn't feel like there's any communication or, or organisation between them. Um, and that, yeah, it was so frustrating because Although it happened in the 97th minute, uh, as we've said, it feels like it's a, it's of our own doing. We, we time-wasted throughout the game, even into injury time. Paunovic arguing with the referee in injury time. I think there was four yellow cards in injury time as well. Um, so for the ref to add on another minute of injury time, it just wasn't that unexpected, really. Um, and I don't really think it's something we can particularly complained about. I know Panovic was straight on the field afterwards saying that it was well over the well over the six minutes, but I, I don't really think he can don't really think he can complain too much given given he spent about sixty seconds arguing with the ref. Yeah, and one of the other things he he said um post match was that we had a very good chance to win it just beforehand. Uh Callum, you've mentioned Holmes header. Postgas uh, also had the ball at the back post and just again didn't really shoot. Yeah, he. I, I mean, he kind of ran out of legs by that point. Um, not that he was lightning fast at the start of the game, but he. Um, you could tell his the ball was fighting to him quite fast on his left, and he just. You know, when there's a confident striker and they take one touch, get out of their feet and get a shot away, just any shot. Um, that's not first class at the moment, um, sadly for all of us. But he, he won a corner, so it's it could have been worse. But and I was just thinking that um, at least that goal kick that does that count as a set piece goal conceded for the fourth game running. Let's not even talk about it. I I don't want to get into John O'Shea and what who coached what and 
He would have he would have saved that goal, John O'Shea from set pieces. Well, he, the the one game I remember him playing, he would he won every header, so he probably would have won the initial goal kick at least. Um, Alex, I basically asked you to sum up your thoughts at the beginning, but sum up your thoughts again. Like, it, it, what can you say? It just wasn't good. And are you expecting it to get better at Huddersfield next weekend? I hope so, because it's a long drive home after Huddersfield. <laughs> um, I mean, we've got how long left of the transfer window? 10 days now, is it? I think 10 days, 11 days, something like that. Uh, I think we've got 11 days really to, to sign probably two or three players at least. Otherwise, I think I don't really see where the improvement is going to come from. Uh, for for at least until January when when Lucas fit, because there's there's so many there's so many holes it feels like, um, and I, I just don't really see where that improvement's coming from, particularly. Just just one thing on that before we go to Callum, um, this was a defensive failure, right? So in what way does Lucas Yao coming back improve this performance? So if Lucas Shaw comes back, I do feel like we've just got more of an outlet up front. It has nothing to do with going forwards, but it feels like we've got more of an outlet up front and we'll keep the ball better. I, I think we'll, I feel like we'll give, we give the ball away so quickly. Um, if we are able to keep the ball for a little bit longer, it just calm, it, it Hopefully, it calms the players slightly. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to change our season if Shao comes back and is up front, but I do feel like it will just change the manner of how we're playing uh, because at the moment it doesn't feel like we've got any option necessarily to, to go out and hold the ball um, when, we, when we're actually moving the ball up the field. Yeah, although I will say I was more fuming with Shao after Stoke than Puskas yesterday. Because I thought I'd, the good thing about Puskas yesterday, and I think eventually if we build the team well he's more of a consistent striker and i don't mean that and he'll score more goals consistently i just mean that his teammates will know what they get from it more often zhao i mean from week to week he can i mean stoke was was like a one out of ten he I, he looked injured the whole game he there was one of the goals where he didn't even challenge for the ball and it came straight back down and they scored the second and when zhao's on form yeah he's, he's amazing but i just feel as a teammate you you'd lose your mind because you never know if he's going to shoot from 30 yards or he's going to try to give you a through ball, or he's going to take on four men. And it's hard to build a really good team when no one else know what's, knows what's happening. And I feel yeah. like Puskas might actually... We have to learn to play with Puskas because we've got the next three, four months without Zhao. We don't know. Hopefully... Yeah, and, and, I, and I think he's a decent striker. I don't think he's the best player ever. Well, I keep ending up defending him because everyone says he's, he's terrible, he's shocking. But I think he's all right. I think if he could get 15 goals this season... Um, if we start playing well, I mean, and he gets back on penalties. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't give up on him just yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing about squad building is you need to be able to build the squad, which we don't really have the capacity to do either. So yeah, I mean, Panovic is in a tough place. Like, I don't... I Currently, I'm still Panovic in, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'll come out and say it, okay? Because like, I, I really don't see... And look, I know people on Twitter are going to be like, but, you know, it's not about who you can get in and stuff, but it's also about managing the backroom situation. And he seems to be an OK, uh, like, manager of the players, even if he's not great tactically, So, which is a good thing to have. Um, yeah, I mean, I've asked Alex for his final thoughts. Callum, do you think it will 
Yeah, same question. Do you think it'll get better at Huddersfield next week? Huddersfield are the worst team in the country, so I'm hoping so. And by that point, you've got, I imagine Hoyler will probably start. I'd like to see actually Hoyler and Aziz start. Not that Deli Vashiri was bad, just that um, we need to stop playing centre on the wing because it's annoying me. Um, well, and having two hours. We're in a whole new conversation topic right at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we could. I mean, I think there's so many dodgy teams in this league that we should be able to, like the Preston game, just win a few games, tight games. Yesterday could have been one of those days. It probably should have been. But I think Huddersfield, if we can just, if we don't do a Bristol City and collapse in the first 10 minutes, I think there's at least a point there. Oh, yes, a point from Huddersfield. What a joyous way to end this podcast on. Well, Alex, you know, as I say, you, you didn't even travel to the game, but thank you for dragging yourself out of bed to talk to us this morning, I guess. All of the effort. <laughs> as always. And Callum, thank you. It was a brilliant debut from you. Cheers. I, I was watching Puskasby Cardiff highlights from last year, and um, he's really my inspiration in life. Yeah, well, for all of us, I'm sure that's true. Um, I'll be back with a preview pod um, on Friday, probably. And then uh, hopefully Paul will be back fighting fit uh, to present the post-match from Huddersfield next weekend.